You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdet Nation, and welcome to Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host, covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it every single Monday through Friday. Lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsidered.com. Welcome to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all of those of you who have been supporting me from the jump. Houdet family, and welcome into yet another Victory Monday here on Locked On Saints. I can get used to this. Almost fully recovered now from being sick, by the way. Thanks again, everybody for sticking through last week with me while I was sick. I appreciate that. But back on the mend now and the Saints, they get a big win in Jacksonville to improve to 5-1 and one on the season. 4-0 without Drew Brees and under Teddy Bridgewater. So let's start off the show today with what we've learned so far through these six games about the Saints, Teddy Bridgewater, and Sean Payton. And then we'll take a look at the offensive performance against the Jaguars before closing out the show with the defense and special teams. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. So the Saints get out of Jacksonville with a 13-6 to win against the Jacksonville Jaguars that now improves them again to 5-1, and 4-0 without Drew Brees. So I want to talk a little bit about what it is that we've learned, not just through this game, but over the first six games of the season as a whole, though it is going to mostly be focused on sort of the post-Drew Brees injury portion of the season, because that's when we've seen a lot of things change. Remember, they opened up the season against Houston with a defense that looked like it couldn't cover the deep ball, that was going to give up deep shot after deep shot after deep shot, and that it was going to be, you know, a series of shootouts all throughout the season. Then you get to Los Angeles, Drew Brees gets hurt, Teddy Bridgewater goes out and then it all of a sudden feels like okay this season might be over for or at least the first half of the season might be over and Drew Brees is going to have to come back in the latter half of the season and save the season and save the Saints then all of a sudden over the course of these last four games we've sort of hopped around on Teddy Bridgewater right we have seen fans and analysts go anywhere from Teddy Bridgewater doesn't deserve to be in a Saints uniform and Taysom Hill should be the quarterback to Teddy Bridgewater is absolutely the future at the quarterback position for the Saints we have literally been all over the spectrum, just depending on what type of a performance we see from him or we have seen from him over the four games. And we've seen a couple of different styles from him. We've seen the, I'm going to hold the ball for a long time. I'm going to check down and dink and dunk my way down the field, Teddy Bridgewater, which drives Saints fans nuts. But then we also saw the Teddy Bridgewater that could throw the ball deep and connect on four touchdowns in a game and throw for over 300 yards in a game. We saw that against Tampa Bay. Against Jacksonville, you saw a little bit of both. You saw him get the ball downfield. You saw the big touchdown pass beautiful placement to uh, Jared Cook in the back of the end zone that ended up being the difference in the game and being the go-ahead go ahead touchdown. But then you also saw the dink and dunk and holding on to the ball for too long, taking sacks, making poor decisions. And then you saw a little bit of both in Jacksonville. So what does that tell you about Teddy Bridgewater through the, let's just say, five games that we've seen him? Well, I'll tell you what I think. And it's just outside of the cliche that he's not going to lose you games and that he's not going to win and that he can win you games. It's outside of those cliches that... I think that Teddy Bridgewater does deserve a shot if he gets the opportunity to spend an offseason getting ready as the Saints starting quarterback. What I mean by that is if Drew Brees leaves, if Drew Brees is done after this year, which for the sake of this conversation, even though I don't entirely believe it anymore because of this injury, how much time he's missed, I think it's totally possible he'll be back next season. So I don't believe necessarily that this scenario is going to happen, but we'll talk about that at another time. 
If Drew Brees doesn't come back after this season and Teddy Bridgewater has the opportunity to become the starting quarterback, I think you give him the shot. I think you draft a quarterback and that you have another backup there, but I think you give him the shot to work out the entire offseason as your starting quarterback and you fine-tune the offense to what he does. We've seen how much he benefits and what he can do when you're able to build a game plan around him week by week by week. Imagine actually giving him and Sean Payton an offseason to fine-tune an offense for him him as the starting quarterback. Now, this gets me to my next point about what we've learned about Sean Payton. Sean Payton, if he is not already, and if he wasn't already, he needs to be, be under consideration for coach of the year because what he has done with this team, look at what has happened to the other teams around the NFL who lost their starting quarterback. Look at the Jets, right? You saw Sam Darnold come back yesterday and absolutely light up the Cowboys, but look what they did without him when they were under Trevor Simeon, who only got to play for a week, and Luke Falk. If Luke Falk would have remained the quarterback in uh, in New York for the rest of the season, they wouldn't have won another game. Look at who the Saints just played, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They went from Nick Foles to Gardner Minshew. Yes, Gardner Minshew's look great, but they're still sitting at a 2-4 and four record. They're not going to the playoffs. They're not doing anything. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in the same boat, 2-4. and four. Yes, Devlin Hodge won them a game yesterday. Don't get me wrong, but they're sitting at 2-4 and four without Ben Roth and then without Mason Rudolph. Maybe the only other team that has been successful this season without their starting quarterback has been the Carolina Panthers, right? But when you look at those two teams and you look at who has the ability to actually go into the playoffs to make a playoff run, you have to give Sean Payton a look at coach of the year by the end of this season and what these records are going to look like at the end of the year. Because again, you're going to get all of these wins and what Sean Payton has done without Drew Brees. But then when Drew Brees comes back, the Saints are going to continue to win games. I can't say the same thing about the Carolina Panthers when Cam Newton comes back. So as for what we've learned when it comes to Sean Payton through these six games, I think he's my and he should be your and the league as well. It should be everybody's coach of the year heading into the rest of the season. And then the last thing that I want to talk about here is what we've learned about the New Orleans Saints as a team. And I think, honestly, this is one of the most complete teams that we've seen in New Orleans in a long time. Maybe ever, this might be the most complete team. You are seeing this team execute on offense enough to win games without Drew Brees, without their Hall of Fame quarterback, right? So understand that is actually a huge hurdle. Then you are seeing a special teams unit that is limiting every every offensive possession where they have some say in it, right? In terms of punt coverage, in terms of punting altogether through Thomas Morstead, who still does not have a touchback on the season so far. Then you look at uh, what this defense has done. I think this might be the best defense that the New Orleans Saints have had since 2009. Yeah, I said it. Write it down. Take a picture. Send it to them. I said it. I think that this is the best defense that the Saints have had since they won the Super Bowl. So when you look at what the Saints have done so far over these six games, what have we learned about them? That they're simply one of the best teams in the NFL and probably the best team in the NFC. All right, y'all. Coming up next, we're going to focus down to just the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll talk offense, defense, special teams. But first, let me tell you about Peloton's limited time offer. Get $100 off of accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Just go to 1-O-N-E-Peloton.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get started. All right, guys, let's talk about sex, good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance to get the extra confidence that you need in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com, that's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they 
work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill. So you'll be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants some extra function to enhance the performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, if you've got a special offer just for our listeners, visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, family, let's dig in a little bit more into this actual game instead of just talking sort of in theoretics about the team. But I did want to talk about that for a little while because I think we've learned a lot about the New Orleans Saints. and There's a lot to be excited about moving forward through this season just after the first six games of the year. So first thing that I want to bring up is that this is only the fourth time that the Saints have gone five and one under Sean Payton uh, since 2006. The first time was in 2006 when he won coach of the year. They went 10 and six, lost in the conference playoffs. 2013, they finished 11 and five. They made it to the division around that year. And then of course, last year, 2013, I'm sorry, 2018, where they finished 13 and three and then made it to the conference playoffs. We know how that went. So the Saints are looking like they're in good shape here for a playoff run starting five and one under Sean Payton. The only other times that it's ever happened that the Saints have started five and one were all the way back in 1998, where they finished 10 and six, 1993, where they somehow still went eight and eight. Actually, I know exactly how that happened because I, I do remember that. That was like my first year really watching football. And then 2002, they finished nine and seven. I remember that one vividly. But when it comes to under Sean Payton going five and one, the Saints at least make it to the playoffs. So they've started off great here. Uh, remember, the Saints started off five and one last year after losing the opening game. They ended up rattling off 10 straight before losing again in week 13 to the Dallas Cowboys. They won't have that problem this year because they've already beat the Dallas Cowboys at home, but they do have a good test coming up against them next week in Chicago. That's what we're going to be previewing all throughout the week. But let's focus down now. Saints and Jags. Teddy Bridgewater, 24 of 36, 240 yards and a touchdown. He took three sacks in the game, lost 18 yards. So it's a net total in terms of passing yards for 222. But for the team, 240 passing yards. They also added 104 rushing yards on the ground. Now, the big concern that came out of this game was Alvin Kamara. Now, Alvin Kamara missed some time over practice, was limited for a little bit, limited. uh, I think it was when, what was it, Thursday and Friday that he was limited. And then played in the first series of the game, but then got up slow and ended up limping off the field, but then got back into the game and and did okay. I mean, you saw him running routes and everything, and he was a little bit more full speed at that point, but didn't get too overly involved in the offense. He touched the ball. Let's see, he had 11 carries and seven catches. So he touched the ball only a total of 18 times. We've seen him hovering more around 20 plus over the last few games. And we know that the Saints are still undefeated when he does touch the ball more than 20 times. He doesn't do that in this game, but that's okay. It ends up being a win anyway. And Latavius Murray, to me, was a huge standout in this game. I mean, he really kind of showed everybody, or at least he showed me, that he deserves to be that guy that gets more carries and can be that tandem back with Alvin Kamara. He had eight carries for 44 yards, five and a half he averaged on the ground. He also averaged over 11 uh, through the air. He had that screen pass that ended up going for a touchdown, but then inevitably, of course, was called back. It was a holding penalty on uh, Michael Thomas a little bit down the field. So that ended up just being a 17-yard completion. But 
altogether, he caught a total of three passes for 35 yards, and he's credited with 50 yards after the catch, but of course, some of that came back with the penalty. So, look, I think that Latavius Murray showed you enough to know that, look, he deserves more opportunity in this offense. I mean, we're seeing now, look, Alvin Kamara is getting a little beat up. He's touching the ball a lot. He's getting a lot more carries. He's getting more opportunities, but I think you want to sort of balance these guys out a little bit more. Latavius Murray showed you how quick he is on his feet, his ability to make people miss, his ability to catch out of the backfield. You saw all of that in this Jacksonville game. And I really like what Latavius Murray showed. And so I'm hoping that they get him a little bit more involved in the offense. Want to shout out real quick as well, Jared Cook, who caught all three of his targets for 37 yards and a touchdown. No drops in this game. No passes off target when they went to him. He was somebody that Teddy Bridgewater was able to be reliable with and was able to rely upon. And then Michael Thomas had his usual day at the office. It was actually a little bit unusual. He only caught eight of his 12 targets. Usually when he's got 12 targets, you see him with maybe 10 catches, nine catches at the least. So 66% catch rate today or yesterday, rather uh, 89 yards, no touchdowns, but you know, another usual day at the office. He now sits second in the NFL in terms of receiving yards, but still first in the NFL in terms of receptions. Ted Ginn Jr. showed up as well, two catches for 36 yards with a long of 27, but he only caught those two catches on six total targets, so that's not entirely great. Uh, Let me look and see. He did not have a drop, so at least that's good. So some of those passes were some of those ones that we saw that were off target and things like that. Now, let's talk about this offensive line, because this offensive line did okay in this game, but did allow two sacks after being very effective against a very good front against Tampa Bay last week. We've seen them sort of be both, right? We've seen them sort of be on and off. So one of those sacks is, is credited to Larry Warford. The other one's actually credited to Teddy Bridgewater, just from simply again, holding the ball too damn long. So when you look at that, the actual numbers here in terms of the 14 pressures that were allowed in this game, three of them go to Andrus Pete, that's the most, and then three go to Larry Warford, tied for the most, and then another three are credited to Teddy Bridgewater by Pro Football Focus. So he's just as responsible for the pressure that he felt in this game as the offensive line is. So I'm not too worried about the offensive line. There was only one offensive line penalty. It was one penalty against Eric McCoy. That was it. The Saints only committed three penalties in this game. One of them ended up being pretty costly because of the penalty to um, uh, the holding penalty on the Latavius Murray screen pass that went for a touchdown. But Saints still got a touchdown later on and ended up getting, you know, ended up being able to win off of the one touchdown. So they were okay. So all in all, on the offensive side, a pretty, let me just say, standard day at the office. It wasn't, you know, there weren't the big deep passes. Tate Bridgewater was one of four on passes beyond 20 yards. He did get a nice completion to uh, who was it? Michael Thomas down there. And so with that being the case, you can really say that this was just more of a standard day at the office for the Saints. They came through, they grinded out another win. And so maybe a third of that has to do with the offense, but the rest of it has to do with the defense and the special teams, which is what we got coming up next for you right here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, family, we are going to wrap up today's show with a look at the defense and the special teams, the real MVP units of this 13-6 to win for the Saints against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. So let's start off just by looking at some of the team stats here and what the Saints defense was able to do to limit Jacksonville's offense. So Jacksonville saw only 151 team passing yards and 75 rushing yards. That is hardly 
anything. 226 total yards. This is the third straight game where the Saints defense has allowed under 260 net yards. I think I said that before, but it's important enough to say it again. Uh, They were outstanding. And they did this on fewer than 60 plays also for the third game in a row to where the Saints defense has played less than 60 defensive snaps, which is good because they're limiting the opponent's offense very effectively. And they're doing it while also keeping themselves fresh and keeping their rotation fresh and keeping themselves off the field for extended periods of time. Now, the Saints only did walk away with one turnover here in terms of box score stats, but when you also consider that they forced a fourth down conversion, uh, a failed fourth down conversion, they also created a turnover on down. So you can call that two turnovers if you like. As for the Saints on the offensive side, no turnovers at all. They also limited the Jaguars to four of 14 on fourth down efficiency, as well as 0 and 2 in red zone trips. So that is huge for the Saints offense because we were talking about the Jaguars offense and how they have worked really well in the red zone. Gardner Minshew was the best quarterback in the red zone going into this game. Saints defense did a great job eliminating that and keeping the field too small for the Jaguars to have any reliable plays uh, down in the red zone. You know, no time for that to develop. They allowed only 3.1 rushing yards, 4.9 yards through the air. They got two sacks on them, both of which from Cam Jordan. The Saints have now gone 14 and two in the 16 games where uh, Cam Jordan has two sacks. That's 87.5% win percentage when Cam Jordan gets a pair of sacks at least uh, in a game. So very good altogether. Um, I mean, and like I mentioned, it was a clean game. The Saints had three uh, three penalties only for 35 yards, two on the offense, one on the defense, which ended up offsetting anyway. Uh, with uh, It was an offensive line penalty on the opposite side of the line. And so when you look at what the Saints have done and the Saints defense did in this game, they were outstanding as a unit. Now let's take a look at them individually as well. So Demario Davis led the team with six tackles. He also had a pass breakup. The Saints had seven different pass defenses in this game. Two from Marcus Williams, three from Marshawn Lattimore. He also had an interception. Eli Apple could have had an interception as well. Um, let me just shout out real quick Marcus uh, Marcus Williams, who played a hell of a game. Let me see if I can get his coverage stats up real quick. Um, he was awesome in this game, if I'm being honest. It was targeted twice targeted yeah, targeted twice didn't allow any catches because he broke up both passes so he had a 39.6 NFL passer rating against so he was awesome uh, from there. He also totaled a pressure as well. We've seen him do that a couple of times. You get him in a situation to where you can get him in as a pass rusher, and he's going to make something happen for you. One other guy that I want to shout out that's kind of in that same vein is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. We've been talking about him as somebody that, you know, they can line up down in the box and he can get pressure on the quarterback, but he was also played well in coverage. He did allow two catches on two receptions, but only 11 yards during that time, and he's got an 89.6 passer rating against. He also had a run stop as well, so he took advantage of his 16 snaps. He didn't play as much as he played last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he's still starting to see the field more and more, and we're starting to see him impact the field more. We'll talk a little bit more about him uh, tomorrow. And then Eli Apple also had a great game, notched a few tackles, targeted three times and allowed only one catch for 20 yards, and had a pass breakup himself, which could have been an interception, 57.6 passer rating against. But it was really Marshawn Lattimore who did it again, 10.6 passer rating against when he spent most of his time covering DJ Chark, who has incredible chemistry with Gardner Minshew, targeted nine times, allowed only three receptions. That's a 33.3 receiving percentage, uh, 44 yards, and again, only a 10.6 NFL passer rating. Was penalized once, but it was declined, so it, it doesn't end up counting against him. So outstanding game from this secondary, and the, you know, look, let's be honest, the pass rush didn't get home as much as it usually has for the, for the Saints over these last few games. 
games. They rotated seven of their nine guys. Of course, Trey Hendrickson was out, uh, but Carl Granderson didn't get much rotation in there at all. But they didn't get a ton of pressure. Uh, they did what they could, and they actually did a pretty good job. But you saw Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan, and Von Bell were the only three with multiple pressures. Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport with three each. Uh, Marcus Davenport had a hit. Von Bell had a hit. And then Cam Jordan, of course, had the two sacks. Outside of that, it was just a bunch of one-pressure guys, including, you know, Shy Tuttle, Marcus Williams. We talked about David Onyemata. We didn't see Sheldon Rankins get any pressure in this game. Uh, he was pretty quiet. He had one tackle, one stop, but that's really what he did in this game. But, you know, he plays his usual facilitator role. So the Saints in total got 15 pressures, two sacks, two hits, and 11 hurries comprised that. So they did what they needed to do, and they were pretty quiet early, but then Cam Jordan started to come on. Marcus Davenport started to come on toward the end of the game and really started to help affect the pass and uh, and get after Gardner Minshew. And that was a big part of what we talked about as a key for this game was getting getting after Gardner Minshew and making him throw under pressure. They were able to do that. He had 10 dropbacks where he felt pressure. He was two of seven in that time, 28.6 completion percentage and a pass rating of only 48 Point five, no touchdowns, no interceptions when they put the pressure on him. Worth mentioning, of course, that Gardner Minshew just really was not on his game at all in this game. 14 of 29 for 163 passing yards and an interception. So all told, he wasn't that great altogether. He finally looked like a rookie quarterback, but when they did get the pressure on him, it did make a difference as we expected. All right, so now finally, I just want to give a quick shout out to the special teams guys, particularly Will Lutz, Thomas Morstead, Justin Hardy. These guys are just absolutely incredible. And for the Saints, they've been just huge so far this year. And and I know maybe y'all get tired of me talking about special teams, but I love special teams. Will Lutz, two of two, we know how much it, it means to have a kicker for the Saints that can actually drill a field goal. <laughs> we spent so long through the Sean Payton era just cycling through kickers every four days. And so it's just nice to see Will Lutz be the guy that can go out there and it can 100% you on a game. And then you look at Thomas Morrison and what he did, six punts, 251 total yards, net average of 41.8, but his actual average was also 41.8. Five of those six punts went within the 20-yard line. His longest was 51, and his return percentage was 16.7 because he only had one return, and he went for zero yards because of Justin Hardy. Several of those punts that ended up going within the 20 were within the 10 and within the five. He was able to get a couple that were down or he got one that was down within the five and then of course the big tackle by Justin Hardy knocking down their their punt returner deep in their own territory so shout out to Justin Hardy shout out to Will Lutz shout out to Thomas Morstead these guys have been absolutely outstanding all season and they continue to be a big portion and a big factor in the Saints getting these tight wins and really just wins overall and they'll continue to do that throughout the year all right y'all that is going to do it for me today thank you so much as always for coming through on another victory Monday looking forward to doing more of these throughout the season because I just don't think the Saints team is slowing down. Make sure that you come back tomorrow. We're going pro football focus grades and analysis, and we'll also talk about any news that pops up Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We got you on all of the injury report information that we get. Wednesday, you're also going to get a crossover episode with myself and Lauren from Locked on Bears to get you ready for the Bears game, and then toward the end of the week, personnel grouping analysis, all the stuff we usually do to get you ready for the game. And also, make sure you hit up the Locked on Saints listener line. I want to know how you feel about this win. How do you feel about Teddy Bridgewater? He had a big game last week. He slowed down a little bit this 
this week, but how are you feeling? You still confident in him based on what you saw against Tampa Bay at home, or maybe you're going back to feeling a little bit sort of weary about him. Whatever that is, call me, let me know, as well as any other questions you got, 504-229-4265. Hear yourself here on the podcast, and of course, join the Locked on Saints Facebook group. Be a part of the game day discussions and the discussions throughout the week. You can also ask me questions there. That's facebook.com slash groups slash Locked on Saints. All right, y'all, that's going to do it. Thank you so much, as always, for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the podcast. And of course, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe and drop that five-star rating and review. Thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.